Alrighty. For the most part, we'll be uh, looking at the handouts this evening, uh, but we will begin in our Bibles. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to the first chapter of Matthew, I want to read again. I want to read again verses 18 through 25. So turn to Matthew chapter 1. Beginning at verse 18, we read, Now the birth of Jesus... Let me just start that again. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused, engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from, a, from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, if you'd like to look at our handout, if you would, please. And we'll be in the handout till pretty much most of the end. In our last study... Our consideration of this text in Matthew 1, 18-25 was the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. That's what the name Emmanuel means. We see that clearly in our scriptures here. Uh, it's interpreted, which being interpreted is God with us. And we considered the mystery of that, the mystery of God with us, in the name of Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. Now tonight, I want to consider the name of the whole... The name the Holy Spirit told Mary's husband Joseph to call this one for whom was conceived by the Holy Ghost. It says in our verse there, in verse uh, 21, And thou shalt call his name Jesus. This Greek name is a derivative of an Old Testament Hebrew name called Jehoshua, or Yehoshua, Yehoshua. And it's, it's twice, because it actually means Jehovah saved. In my Bible, there's an indicator letter right above the first letter of Jesus, a little indicator letter by, the name, by T. And in the margin is a basic meaning of that word, which indicates Savior, which goes right along with what we see next in our text, where it says, For he shall save his people from their sins. What a wonderful name for the one who shall save his people. Savior, Deliverer, Jesus the Christ. As we saw last week in Matthew 16, Peter calls him, Thou art the Christ, 
the Son of the living God. Now the name Christ is Christos, meaning anointed, that is, the Messiah. And as the Son of God, he would not think it robbery to be equal with God the Father, for all power is his to wield. Therefore, this one who would be the Messiah, the Deliverer, the power of, all, of God is with the power of God is able to do exactly that. He's able to save all of his people from all of their sins. Not just part, but all. Page 2. Listen to Hebrews chapter 7, beginning at verse 22. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament that they truly were and they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, this man Jesus, this is, this is Jesus all grown up. This man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able also to save them to the what? Uttermost. I don't know about you, but I love that word. That means everything. That means purged, clean. That means wiped. That means washed white as snow. Uttermost, clean. Save them to the uttermost that come to God, come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. Now that's important. That's important to see that Christ, folks, Christ is no longer in the grave. He's on His throne right now, making intercession for us. Is that not good news for you? Amen. Buddy, I'll tell you what, if, if he wasn't sitting on his throne right now making intercession for me, I'd have a lot to be worried about still. <laughs> I wouldn't care about what I have a lot to worry about it still, now would I? Yet he is. He's making intercession for us, saying, this one's mine. So for, uh, back in our text there in uh, Hebrews 7. For such an high priest became us who is holy, this is the Lord Jesus. This is this one who's going to be our Savior. This one who shall save his people. He is holy. He's harmless. He's undefiled. He was not born of Adam. He was not born of the seed of Adam, full of sin, as all, all mankind are. No, he was born of the Holy Spirit. Perfect. Sinless. He who knew no sin. Undefiled, it says, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the the people's for this he did once when he offered up himself to a true god revealed sinner this is good news indeed all that god requires of me to cover my sin has been provided for me in my substitute, in my Savior, in the one called Jesus, my Messiah, my Deliverer, my Jesus. There are a few other names God uses to describe this Jesus. In Matthew chapter 1, he is described as, this prop, as the one prophesied of in the Old Testament, the one for whom is God with us, and the one who shall save God's chosen people. In Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7, we read this, For unto us a child is born. This is that child, the very one that the Holy Spirit was speaking to Joseph about. For unto us, you and I. Did you notice that? Did it say for unto the world? Unto us. That's a particular people. 
people a people who were chosen in him before the world was ever created unto us a child is born unto us a son is given this is that son who was given by God the father his only begotten son he spared not his son he spared not his son with that in mind how shall he not give you and I everything else if he's going to give his son up for us wouldn't he give everything else up as well unto us a son is given and the government shall be on his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty God the everlasting father the prince of peace of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with the justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this oh I love to see God declaring his own works that's that's what we have peace with folks that's what we have trust in knowing that it was God God who will perform this himself. Last, page, last part of page 2, we read, The government shall be on his shoulder. That name sums this up best. The, the name that sums this up best is Lord. Listen to Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, this is that baby child, this one that the, the Spirit of God was speaking to, to, to uh, uh, instructing Joseph to call his name Jesus. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know. Folks, they, they saw they saw those people getting fed on that mountain. They saw the blind man who could see they saw the man who was lame by the pool get up and walk and carry his bed. They saw the woman who had an issue of blood walk away healed. They saw these things clearly, things that men could not do. Yet this man, this one by the name of Jesus, God showed his approval of him among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined you, you know folks talk about how well you know there was a pretty good crowd there taking the Lord Jesus folks if God in the flesh had wanted to he could have stopped all of that angels thousands and thousands of angels could have come and picked him up and taken him away from that this was this is the good news about God's about the Lord's crucifixion the good news is that somebody has to die for the sins of God's people, and the Lord Jesus did that. Amen. Perfectly. All of our sins were laid upon him. It was by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God that he was delivered to that cross. Ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God had raised up, hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. And then you jump to verse 36 of that very same chapter, and we read this, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly 
that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified both Lord and Christ Lord and Christ he who has all power the word is kyrios it means supremacy supreme in authority that is a, a, as a noun controller God Lord, Master, the government, the rule, the authority is on him. It's on his shoulders. That's what we were talking about. That's what we were looking about. John Gill wrote this. He said, not only of the world in general, but of the church in particular. This child is born to royal dignity. He is king of saints. He is gov his government consists in ruling in the hearts of his people. How do you explain that, James? I don't know, but he does. How does he speak and confirm to you in his heart these things? I don't know, but he does. Solidly. You're right. I can't think of any words at the moment to explain that, but he does. Ruling in the hearts of his people, enacting laws for them, and causing them to submit unto them, and subduing their enemies, in protecting them, their persons and their properties, their rights and liberties, and in supplying them with everything necessary. And this government is delegated to him from his father. It's developed upon him, by him, and is not of this world, but it is spiritual. It is righteously administered. It is peaceably it's peaceable and will continue forever and is being said to be upon his shoulders as an allusion to the magistrates having a key or a rod laid upon their shoulders as ensigns of their office or carried about by the officers for them. And I, you can look at that and see that in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 4. And it shows that it was laid upon him or enjoined by him, by his father, though not against his will, and it denotes a weight of honor and care that bore by him, whose shoulders are fit for the same and equal to it, and that he is properly, that he is the prop and the support of his church and people who are safe under his government and protection. You know, I can, say, I can sum that whole chapter of John Gill's commentary up in this. Christ is all. He's everything we need. Amen. He's all we need. He is all. As I consider this statement of the government being on his shoulders, the verses in Romans 8 come to mind. As I consider the depth of what that means, that everything is on the shoulders of my Savior, my all, Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God. I can trust that. I know that. I know that everything that happens is for the good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. How could they not? The one for whom govern, the one whom governs all that is, is working it out for us. How could it not be for our good? Could anything, could anything separate us? from the love of God in Christ Jesus? We'll look at that in a moment. For whom he did foreknow, page 4, he also did predestinate 
to be conformed to the image of his son. Folks, we're conformed to Christ. We're as perfect as he is. By him being made our sin, by him being made sin for us, we were made righteous, the righteousness of God in him. Conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. I can't help but think about what the free willers of this world think about. And yes, they do call themselves free willers. I had a man on the ship. Some of you may recall there was a Bible study that I decided to attend on the ship, on the cruise that Catherine were on, and, and a guy stood up against me in the Bible study and declared himself, he looked right at me and says, and yes, I'm a free willer. And he called me a Calvinist, so obviously he thinks Calvinists aren't free willers, which I know some people who say they believe in Calvinism, and they're still free willers. Them he also, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And I've shared with you many a times, that includes me. If God is for me, can I be against myself? Can I, can I turn myself away from the power of God with his irresistible call to me when he says, John, come forth? No. Did those men along the seashore uh, that were, were to become the disciples and the apostles, did, did, they, did they not put everything down? and leave their father and their nets and go with Jesus? Why? Because the irresistible power of God is irresistible. He makes us willing in the day of his love. You know, I remember one time Bill and I were talking about that, and I mistakenly said, he makes us willing in the day of his power. And Bill stopped me and says, no, 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 wait a minute. He's always had power. He's always had the power. Right. He says, but there was a day when he shined his love, and that's where he that's makes us day. willing. There's a pretty big difference in saying that he used power to change me or where he used love to change me. You know what I'm saying? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Folks, that's my governor. That's the one who everything in the world to me is on his shoulders and under his sovereign rule. That's my Lord. That's my God. John 5, verse 18 through 24, we read these words, Therefore the Jews sought more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but, also, but said also that God was his Father, making himself Amen. equal with God. This is our Lord. This is the Lord. This is, this is the governor of everything. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. 
For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto his Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. Now folks, there are religions out there who say that the Lord Jesus is a God. They believe in more than one God. Jesus Christ is God Almighty in the flesh. He is all-powerful, all-knowing. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which has sent them. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed away, is passed from death unto life. Next we read in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, His name shall be called Wonderful. When I think of God's grace in saving a wretch like me, could there be any better name for my Lord? There is no other name I could give more praise to than the name of my Savior. Page 5. Now I know my love for Him is because He first loved me. If not for His love, I would still be lost in darkness. Mm -hmm. The darkness that I loved, running from Him, running straight to my own destruction. Dead in trespasses and sin. Oh, the praise in my heart for this wonderful Savior. Oh, the praise in my heart for the wonderful precious blood that he shed on my behalf in my stead on that cross so long ago. Oh, the praise in my heart for his wonderful comfort that he sends me through his word declaring my sin is forgiven, declaring from his throne I have paid the price. This one is mine. What else could we do but call him wonderful? What other word? You, you talk about words that can't describe how the Lord causes us to know these things. There's a, there's a song. Uh, I know whom I believed. And in that song, I think it's the first verse, it says, I do not know. I got I to gotta find this. Hang tight, folks. This is a Bible study. We're not having a... Amen. A main service. We can take a break for just a moment. I got to. I got to share this with you. We 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 talked about. James asked me a question at the beginning before service began about how is what what words can we use to express how the Lord moves in our hearts, and and he was having a discussion with somebody and they were talking about the same thing but they couldn't put it into words. I know whom I believed. I know not how. Yeah, uh, I don't want to. Guess it. Hang on a second. That's probably the answer to his question. I think I got an answer why we were doing this. You know how. Well, you know, we're going to we're going to look at that in a moment. In, in a moment, you'll see there's a section in here where I say where I mentioned that we get our we get our answers through God's word. You know. Yeah. But listen to this. Listen to words. This. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me. 
he hath made known. Nor why unworthy Christ in love redeem me for his own. I know not how this saving faith to me he did impart, nor how believing in his word wrought peace within my heart. I don't know how that happens. No. I don't know how to explain that to you, but I, I know in me, I know in me that that is so. He brings peace to my heart Amen. Through, the, through the teaching of his word to knowing that he is on his throne and nothing can thwart his word. Let's go on now in page five. Counselor. That, oh, here's that part next. You said, remember? Should I think the Lord answered the question already? This is a counselor. You got a question? You got a question, a spiritual question? You need counsel? Folks, there is only one place that you can trust for truth. The word of truth. Listen to John 17, verses 13 through 17. And now come I to thee. This is the Lord Jesus Christ praying to his Father. This is what I call the Lord's Prayer. The other one the Lord is teaching to pray. This one he is actually praying for you and I. He says, And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. This is the joy that we have fulfilled, knowing that he's the king of kings, that he rules all things sovereignly. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of this world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You got questions? You want to know something spiritually? Listen. Sit and listen. A wise pastor once told me, someone comes to you looking to you for spiritual advice. He says, he says, tell them to come to services. Sit. Sit under the preaching of God's word. Listen. Listen carefully to everything being said. Reading the word of God as it's being preached. Keep coming. Keep listening. God will answer your questions through the preaching of his word. This wise pastor told me he's been practicing that since he started preaching over 20 years ago. Or not quite, no, I think he's just under 20 years. He says, I've been practicing that. That was one of the things that uh, my pastor taught me, he said. I've been practicing that all this time. He says, you would not believe how often it works out. He said, almost every time. He says, sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Sometimes the Lord teaches you a little patience. But if you keep coming to where God's people are gathered together, learning of Christ through the preaching of His Word, God will answer your spiritual questions one way or another. Yes. He may have just answered James a little bit ago, which I could not have done. Uttermost. Uttermost. The Lord communicates with you in the uttermost. There is no question. <laughs> it's complete. The uttermost. Okay, that's a good word to apply to that. Excellent. The mighty God the Everlasting Father, midway page 5. As we have seen already in John chapter 5, He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent Him. Our last study was all about the mystery of God manifesting Himself in the form of flesh. But I want to make one more point about this, and I'm going to do that by reading from John chapter 10, verses 23 through 33. 
bottom of page 5, we read, And Jesus walked in the temple of Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him, and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones. See, see, people take that and they say, well, it, well, maybe he's just talking about how he and his Father, you know, are, are of one mind and, and, and they're of the same, the same blood. No, he's talking about I and my Father are one. And listen, the Jews that were standing they there, they knew it. Watch, watch what comes next. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him, and Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father, for which of those works do ye stone me? And the Jews answered him. They knew exactly what he was saying. They knew that he was declaring himself to be God Almighty in the flesh. For good works we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because thou, because that thou being a man, makest thyself God. Oh, folks, that's the greatest words on earth. That's the greatest words of anything. He is God. That, that assures us. That assures us that everything he did was perfect and acceptable. That his sacrifice was acceptable and satisfactory. God doesn't do anything part way, folks. No. He doesn't do anything part way. What he has purposed, it shall be done. The fact he is God and cannot be thwarted is the only peace. It's the only peace we have. A child of the Most High has. He is God. He took our place and was condemned in our stead. Both Rick, uh, Brother Rick last night, I believe it was him, made a point. We were in Christ before the world was. We were in Christ when he walked this earth. We were in Christ when he was crucified on that cross. We were in him when God the Father raised his son from the dead. We are in him now as he sits on his throne making intercession for us as our high priest. Child of God, hear his word. And may the Prince of Peace, this is our peace. We just mentioned it, I mentioned it a moment ago. This is our peace, is that He is God. Hear these words, and may the Prince of Peace, <laughs> another name given to us, given for our comfort in this valley of death we pass through. Romans 3, verse 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption, our Redeemer, our our kinsman redeemer that is in Christ Jesus. In Christ. 
were redeemed in him. Chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation. You can't be condemned. The things that you have done that you deserve to be condemned for has been our Lord Jesus Christ was condemned for them. He was condemned in our stead. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 38-39 For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Page 7. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Two more here for you. Now thanks be to God which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. Remember what I said a moment ago? Christ is our all. Folks, if Christ is not your all, then He's not your God at all either. Amen to that. If He is your all, it's because He has made Himself to be your God. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Ephesians 2.13 But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were far off, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Folks, we could spend a lifetime studying the names he fills out. The names that he fills. We were talking with uh, Jamie Last night, I think it was, I was telling her what we were, what we were going to look at tonight, tonight's study, and she, uh, she said, "Well, you could just, you know, you could just about put everything as His name." I said, "That's right. To a true child of God, He is our all in all, just about everything: Savior, Provider, and we could look at, you know, all kinds of." different things as the names of God. But we'll, we'll go on for now. We could, look, we could spend a lifetime studying the names that he fills, but for now I want to look at one more. Matthew 13, verse 54, we read, And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished they were astonished. They, they sat there in their synagogue and listened to the Lord Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, listened to him teach in their synagogue. And they were astonished. And he said, Whence hath this man, they said, And whence hath this man this wisdom? Where, where did this man get this wisdom? And these mighty works, is not this the carpenter's son? Now this is why I wanted to look at this last thing, folks. This is the grace of God. In shining His wisdom in His Son. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James? You and I could be asking that very same thing. 
Isn't that the guy that was born to Mary? <coughs> the one who made tents for a living? Worked out, in, or was a carpenter for a living? Isn't that, that's what we could be doing. We could be saying that same thing right now, couldn't we? I know I could be right there. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not this, is not his mother called Mary? Is his brother James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then has this man all these things? Folks, I am, I am not a wise man. I'm thankful God gave me an ability to drive a truck because that's the only thing that I could do very well in this world. That's what I'm I not a wise man. You can't even say that I have street, marts, street smarts about me because I would mess that up too. But the one who loves me, the one who gave himself for me is all wise. He knows everything. Everything was created by him, for him, and through him. How shall he not know all things? He is all wise as far as I'm concerned. All knowing, all power. He is my wisdom. I don't need anything else. If God has purposed it, and he's purposed all things as far as I'm concerned, as far as what he has told me in his word, then that's all the wisdom that I need. I can trust it. He has it all under control. Look with me, if you would, in your Bibles. I told you we'd come back to your Bibles one more time. Look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. You get Romans, 1 Corinthians, and then 2 Corinthians. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I said 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2, we begin reading in verse 6. How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this world. Did you catch that? Not the wisdom of this world. Over in verse 20 of chapter 1, we read these words. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath God, hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Here Paul says in verse 6, How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. That means I don't understand it, but God has said it. I don't need to understand everything God has told us. Some people do. I don't. I just trust that it is so. This simple man trusts the Word of God because God has given me the gift of trusting Him, the gift of belief. By His grace, He has gifted the ability for me to look at His Word and say, it's so. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom 
which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of the world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, but as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. One more, if you would, look at the last three verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. That no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us. God Almighty, God the Father, has made his Son my wisdom. He has made unto us wisdom. This one who is Lord, this one who is the Savior, this one who is Almighty God in the flesh, is all our wisdom. He is all our righteousness. God has made him un made unto us, God, who God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to heed to my own statements there that this wise pastor shared with me. If you have any questions about tonight's study, join us next week and the week after and the week after <laughs> and eventually the Lord will answer, answer your questions. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Amen.